I read this and read that and listened to stuff, you know, what other preachers are doing and what other churches are doing. And sometimes it don't hurt to do what somebody else is doing, but we have to do it our way, right? But God didn't, didn't lead me in any of those paths. And I kept praying, and on, uh, I believe it was Wednesday before Christmas, I was going to get my automobile, and, and I walked out, I told the radio, I turned, I said, you know, I hadn't been listening to preaching lately. You know, preachers need to listen to preaching, too. Y'all are awake this morning? Okay. I didn't know if I was going to have to pray for vocal cords and hands today. Clapping hands and raising hands and speaking out, you know. Lord, bless them all this morning. So I told her, so I, I'm going, so I went back in my office, and the only, only CDs I could find was some by this anointed preacher I know. And he preached it in 2005. Uh, that was me. <laughs> I had him laying on my desk to give to somebody else. But I, I said, okay, I picked it up, went out the door, got an automobile and stuck one in. And, and the title of the message I was preaching was Roadblocks to Faith. And before I got anywhere in that, even reading the Scripture... The Lord spoke to me right then and said, 2017, the year of faith. Preach faith like you've never had before. I mean, for an hour and a half of riding, the Lord just ministered to me in that. And, and I, I know it was God. I've been in this thing long enough to know when it's God and when it's just my emotions, folks. <laughs> this was God. I've had this to happen several times over the years. So we're, we're talking about from faith to faith. That was what God gave me in this verse right here. Romans 1, 17. And you can go ahead and open your Bible to Romans chapter 1, verses 16, 17. But in this verse right here it says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed, from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now, I don't know where you stand, and I don't know what your idea of faith is. If, if all you seeing faith as, is as just something that you get to get saved and go to heaven. Well, folks, it's that. You do not get saved apart from faith. Faith is the key element. God's grace gives us the opportunity for salvation. And God's grace then accompanies that with faith to where that we can Make Jesus Lord of our life. So we, we have faith, but we can't just stop there. Now, if all you did was get saved and die, then that's all the faith you'd ever need is just saving faith, and that'd be it. But, you know, it's evident this morning, and I don't know when you got saved, but you're not dead it, it, unless you've died in the last few minutes. <laughs> and the reason I know that is because you drove here and you got out of the automobile and came in. And we need, all of us need faith. Daily, we need faith. And we need to move on from the faith at salvation to a faith to live by because the just shall live by faith. So this is what we want to talk about this morning. This is where we're going to start. And, and, and man, I tell you, I went back and I started looking at all the messages on faith that I've preached. I've got sermon notes and books like this go way back. 
So I went back to 2005 and started looking. And we've preached about faith. We've preached and we've preached and we've preached. And sometimes I think, Lord, we've preached this so much that people's ears has grown dull to the thing of faith. But you know the thing about it, we can't stop. I'm not going to quit preaching salvation because somebody don't want to listen to it. I'm not going to quit preaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit because somebody don't believe in it. I'm not going to quit preaching about healing because somebody didn't get healed. I'm not going to quit preaching about God's blessings upon us because somebody ain't getting any blessing. I'm not going to... Why? Because it's the Word of God. And, and we're going to preach it. And, and, and I said, God, I want you to help me. I want you to help me. I want the anointing of God to come and flow in this place so that people's ears listen. And, and let me tell you what my prayer is for you. My prayer for all of us. My prayer... It's what Paul prayed for the Ephesian church in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He said, in 17, 18, he said, I, he said, I pray that the, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation be given unto you, that the eyes of your understanding, your understanding, your heart, you're your really in here knowing. Your, and I'm not talking about a head knowledge as much as I am talking about a heart knowledge that the eyes of your understanding, the, the ability to look and see into the Word of God, that the eyes of your understanding be open, be open that you may be able to comprehend what is the love of God, the grace of God, the power of God, and the blessings of God. Now, that's my prayer for you. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this. I, I make this commitment to you as I've already made it to God. I'm going to do everything I can in me for the anointing of God to rest on me and in me so that when I preach, it's not just empty words going out and, and you don't sit there and say, oh, that's just something we've heard before. Sure, you've heard it before. If you've ever been here much, you've heard it before. But I've got to remind you of Romans 10, 17. says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And the literal translation says faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing, hearing even to the point of being tired of hearing. But you hear it. You apply yourself to that. Well, let me get on. And, and so I said, well, Lord, what am I going to do? And, and so I began to look back at all of these sermons, and I don't know, probably since 2005, I have preached 65 to 70% of the messages that I've preached in this church about faith to some form, some way. You know what we're going to do? We're going to begin to visit those things again. Not that I don't have anything to preach, but what else is there to preach except the Word of God, right? And so, let's look at Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. He said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to all those that believe, to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That means it's for everybody. This is not just a closed thing, a limited view. This is for everybody. For therein, in the gospel, in the gospel of Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now let's look at this for a few minutes. You don't mind if I look at my notes, do you? 
Hey, y'all, you may, you may think, well, you've done this enough, you don't need notes. That's true, but I don't want to miss nothing. All right? He said, I'm not ashamed. Ashamed, what does that mean? It means to have something that could be wide out in public view, but yet you cover it up. You know, Jesus said this. He said, no man lights a candle and puts it under a bed or covers it with a basket. You know why a man would put it under a bed or cover it with a basket? Because he's ashamed of it. Anything, and you get a hold of this, anything that you're ashamed of, you try to make excuses for. Somebody say, well, y'all believe in healing down at y'all's church? Well, yeah, 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 but you know. Or people talk about, uh, are y'all a seeker-friendly church? Well, yeah, we're friendly to seekers, but we don't allow just anything going to come in and, and, and flaunt it and, and laud it just so that somebody will come to church. You know, the Bible's got some guidelines about some things. And we can't go out of that. We can't go around it. I, was, I read this week, you may have seen this also, but I read this week that one Christian artist, a, a, a black lady, was, was doing a concert at that. She, she preached a small message and talked about sin, named different things, and happened to name the sin of homosexuality. Christian leaders and artists, Christian artists, began to come against her because she was speaking hate speech. Folks, it's not, it's not hate to say that homosexuality is wrong any more than it is to say that adultery is wrong. If I say adultery is wrong, am I hating the adulterers? Am I, is that hate speech? No. So why? You know, and, but here's the thing about it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of what the Word of God can do. I'm not ashamed to lay hands on somebody and pray the prayer of faith. I'm not ashamed to anoint with oil. I'm not going to be ashamed of the things that Jesus promoted and the things that He's done and the commission that He's given the church. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to put it in the back room. We're not going to cover it over. We're going to go on with what God said. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. The gospel. The good news. The good news. I like that, don't you? The good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus came preaching that. And you read, you read in the early chapters of Matthew and, and Mark and Luke, you'll find that Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And in Luke chapter 4, here's what, here's what some of the things that Jesus preached when He came preaching. He, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me. And that's who Jesus was. The name Christ that we give Jesus is, is not just a name. That's who He was. He was the anointed one of God. And He did the things that He did as a man anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, Acts 10, 38, who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with Him. God with us. That means that we are anointed. Folks, if you're a child of God and God's in you, you are anointed to do the work of the gospel. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel. Wow. Now, what's He preaching it to? He's preaching it to the poor. Well, what's the good news to the poor? Anybody know what good news to the poor would be? You don't have to be poor anymore. Now, just somebody jump up and say, well, I'll take some of that. Well, there's things that, have to, that we have to do as we work in faith to come to that point and to get to that place. But folks, I'm telling you, God 
God don't want us to be poor, beggarly, trying to just barely get by. You know, you and I live in the Christian life, and the Christian life is exemplified in the, in the travels of the children of Israel. When they came into the promised land, they came into a land flowing with milk and honey. He called it the land of Canaan. You know, most of, most of the time in tradition has taught us that the land of Canaan there represents heaven. That can, and I'm not, I'm not against all of that, but let me tell you something. I don't like to think about it representing heaven because there were still giants in that land. There were still battles to be fought. When I get to heaven, I ain't fighting no more, you understand? There ain't going to be no giants over there that i got to deal with. So the land of Canaan, to me, represents the Christian life. Now get a hold of this. When they were in Egypt, when they were in bondage, they never had enough. Always struggling and getting by. Poor, starving, hungry, sick, miserable, beaten as slaves. Never had enough. And then they, God brought them out of Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years and the wilderness wandering represents just enough. God gave them manna. And He said, you're just going to get enough manna to do you today. Just enough today. Just enough today. Oh, that's all I want, preacher. I just want enough for today. Well, I do too, but folks, let me follow on with me here for a minute, would you? Jesus prayed, taught us to pray. He said, give us this day our daily bread. Well, what did he tell us to pray tomorrow? Give us our daily bread. And while I'm at it, I can pray for Brother Wayne to have some daily bread. And not only that, I can believe God for me to have enough daily bread that I can share it with Brother Bill if he ain't getting his today. He told him, said, on, on Friday, on the sixth day, gather double. Well, folks, every day can be the sixth day for us, and we can gather at least double of the blessings of Almighty God. But they only had enough because what they gathered on Friday was just enough to get them through Saturday, the Sabbath day, and then they started all over again. So the wilderness journey it represented just enough, and we've, we've just settled for that. Just enough praise, just enough worship, just enough Holy Spirit, just enough love, oh Lord, just enough to get by. Folks, I don't want to just get by anymore. We've got just got by too long. Well, just getting by is better than not getting by, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm tired of wandering in the wilderness as far as the blessings of God goes because I want to be like in Deuteronomy chapter 2 where he told them, he said, Moses said, you've gone around this mountain long enough. Get over here and go north. What he told him. Well, north from there meant to go into the promised land. North to you and me means up. Up. I'm going to come up and get out of this wilderness. Folks, we've wandered in the wilderness long enough, and it's time for us to cross over this Jordan and come in and possess what God has given you and me. And the only way we'll get it is by faith. That's it. We, we sit around and pray. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. I, showers are fine. But folks, showers won't break the drought. Right? We need some drought-breaking rain, not only in the natural, and we're getting some of that. We need some drought-breaking rain in the spiritual. I'm talking about rain, or you have to walk through the water and the mud gets deep and rain to where that, 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 it, that it brings the water level up, the water table up, and we need that in the Spirit of Almighty God. We need the water level to come up. We need the rain to fall, the former rain, the latter rain. Come together and fall upon us, folks. Why? Because 
He said that I've anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor and tell the poor you don't have to be a ward of the state. You don't have to be under all of this government program whenever you can trust God and believe God and do the things that He says and come out from under that kind of thing. I thought it would be a good place for everybody to just really holler out amen right there. I believe the church ought to be taking care of all that stuff anyway. We've got to big, build big buildings and pay big salaries and drive fine automobiles, and there ain't nothing wrong with all of that kind of stuff. But then we let the people down the street go hungry, naked, and cold. That's wrong. Or if they come to us, we'll say, well, isn't there some government program we can get you on? And we know it's the truth, don't we? Well, that's what I pay taxes for. Well, <laughs> yes, Lord. Put that scripture back up there, if you would, please, sir. I ain't through preaching there yet. <laughs> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He, we don't, the brokenhearted, folks, don't need to be on Prozac. Those with a broken spirit, those down there, they don't need to be on the, the chemical elements that can just get them by. They need to be delivered. And he said, I've come to, to heal the brokenhearted, the people with a broken heart, the people in depression, the people in problems. He said, I've come to heal them. And we see more and more people turning to the chemical part to just make it through the day. I know people that take something to get going in the morning, and then they take something else to crash out at night. He said, I've come to, to heal the broken heart. Preach deliverance to the captives. Every habit, every problem, everything that's against you, I have come to bring deliverance to you. Recovering of sight to the blind, the, the natural blind. The natural blind. Those that, that are experiencing sight, he's not blind, but he's experiencing sight difficulties. Okay? Sight limitations right now. But he come, he come for the recovering of sight. That's your verse, brother. Come recovering your sight. My sight, Lord. Thank you. My sight's recovered. Jesus came. He was anointed for that. Amen. And to set at liberty them that are bruised. To comfort. To help. To encourage. To lift up. Not to where we've got to turn always to man. Let me tell you something now. I want you to say, I'm not against doctors. I'm not against... Nurses, I'm not against medicine. I'm against those taking control of us to the point to where we won't look to God and let God have His, have his way and be in control in our life. The gospel total is, for, is for the total well-being of mankind, folks. He didn't leave out anything when He went to the cross. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That has to do with the spiritual part right there. That's sin. Sin's the spiritual part. Sin's the spiritual thing. My arm is not sinful, but it can be an instrument of sin. My eyes are not sinful, but they can be an instrument of sin. What part of me, then, if there's sin going on, where is it? It's in, it's in the spirit man. And he died that we wouldn't have to do that, that we wouldn't have to be there, that our spirit man could be renewed and, 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 and that we could come to the point of being in his likeness and in his image in this life. Thank you, Lord.
I didn't lose my place. I'm just trying to figure out which way to go from here. Y'all still with me? Cross over Jordan into the promised land. Over there, there's plenty. Plenty. In the kingdom of God, there's plenty of everything that you and I need. What did he say in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things, all these things. He used the word things. All these things will be added unto you. That's what he said. But you know what happens? We get to looking for the things and we get our eyes off of the thing giver. That'd be like you, you, you run along and, and you, you think all, all that's going to get you to work in the morning is your gas and your automobile. Well, you, you got to have gas for it to go, right? But the gas and automobile is not going to be what gets you to work. The automobile is what's going to be there. Now then, let's go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The power of God is the miraculous ability, even to the point of a miracle itself, but the ability of Almighty God for us, to us, and in us to accomplish the miraculous. That's what it is. Didn't Jesus say, if you believe in me, the works that I do shall you do also? Didn't he say that? And right before that, he had said, look, he said, believe me for the work's sake. If you ain't going to believe me for any other reason, believe me for the work's sake because it's the Father in me that does the works. Now, now think about that. He said, the Father in me is the one doing the works. He said, the words that I speak, I speak of my Father. And the Father in me, he's the one doing the works. And then he said, and if you believe in me, the works that I do shall you do also. And, we, you know, we read that and we thought, okay. Well, it sounds good. And we sat around waiting, looking for somebody to come along, anointed minister, evangelist, that can do the works. What is that? If I'm waiting for somebody to come do the works, that means I'm not believing. Because if I believe in Him, the Scripture says, I can do the works. You 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 can do the works. That's what He said. The works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do. And we spent so much time arguing about what the greater works is that we've left the works undone. What did he do? He healed the sick, cast out devils, cleansed the leper, recovering a sight to the blind, hearing to the person that was deaf, the ability to talk to the mute, heal lame people, even those that were ma- people that didn't have a leg. He healed them and they had a leg. Main means that they couldn't go, that they were without limbs. He healed them. He did those things. And we look at that. Well, preacher, you know, that's not for today. Maybe you need to quit wandering in the wilderness. I don't know some people that make those kind of statements. Maybe they just need to get out of Egypt and get in the wilderness. I don't know. Look, folks, it is for today. If it wasn't for today, the Bible would say, now look, this is just for a period of time, but there's going to come a new day. And in this new day, I'm going to quit doing all these things and I'm not going to bless you like I did then. No. I find this. It said, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. What He did then, He'll do today, and He always will do it, or the Word of God's not so. And I choose to believe the Word of God, don't you? 
It's the power of God unto salvation. That includes to make healthy, the word salvation, to make healthy. Wow. You mean the Word of God is the power of God to make me healthy? Sure it is. First John chapter, or Third John, verse 2 says that, Beloved, I wish for you above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Prosper and be in health. Prosper and be in health, even as your soul doth prosper. That, that tells me that, folks, as much stuff is going on, as much poverty and sickness and bondage that there is in the physical and mental realm, somebody ain't prospering too well. In their soul, in their spirit, man, their faith's not developing. They're not walking on with God like they need to. It means to bring to salvation. It means to rescue and bring to safety. That's what salvation means. It covers the whole thing. Now back over where you thought I was lost. Let me go somewhere else for that. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's a spiritual thing because sin's a spiritual thing. He took the punishment for our spirit man to be renewed. The chastisement in order for you and I to have peace was upon him. The 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 peace and that soulish thing, that's our mind, our peace of mind. And with his stripes we're healed. That's physical. So he died for us spiritually, mentally, and physically. But here's the catch to everyone that believes. You see that? To everyone that believes. See, this is not just a blanket statement that fits everybody in the whole world. It can. But to get these things I've already talked about and so much more, you've got to come to the point to where you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. To everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek or the Gentile, that's talking about everybody because there's, there's no other group of people on the earth. There's Jews and there's Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. If you're not a Gentile, you're a Jew. And that's not racism. That's the Word of God. That's, that's it. You're either, so regardless of what category you're in, you have the ability to believe to everyone that believes. I like what Jesus said to the father that brought his son to Jesus in Matthew 9, 23. When he brought him, and, and he said to him, said, If you can do anything, you help us. And Jesus said uh, in Matthew 9, 23, He said, All things are possible to him that believes. If I can do anything, all things are possible to him that believes. Everybody say all things are possible to him that believes. I want to ask you a question, and I want, you, I want to show hands on this, and I'm not trying to catch you on nothing. I just want us to understand some things. How many of you believe that statement is absolute fact? You know, we, but here we go. <laughs> I, I, I'm talking about me here now. All things are possible to him that believes, but man, I just can't leave sweets alone. I'm proud to say that I have been this whole week since last Sunday and have not eaten any sweets at all. I'm so thankful for that. So you see, it's not impossible. I went Tuesday and had my yearly physical examination. The doctor just bragged on me, except for about 20 pounds of me he didn't brag on. 
They took blood. They called me yesterday on Friday from the doctor's office and said the doctor said that my cholesterol level was perfect. My blood sugar was perfect. My PSA was perfect. Keep on doing what I've been doing. Just lose about 20 pounds. You'd see me next year. It's impossible. Some people say, well, I, you know, I know God can do a lot of things, but I just don't know if He can heal this diabetes. All things are possible. Right? Well, I, you know, I just can't quit sun drops. All things are possible. I just can't quit Mountain Dew. Man, I got a house sweet tea. I can't quit. All things are possible. That tells me one of two things. Either all things are not possible or you're not believing. I'm not going to look at you when I say that. I just can't quit smoking. I can't quit tobacco. I can't quit this. I can't quit that. Then if that's attitude, then all things are not possible. You know what makes impossible possible? Who said that? Faith. Believing. All things are possible to them that believe. You say, well, preacher, you, are you trying to say I don't believe? No. What I'm saying is this. You need to get in the Word of God and you need to be in that Word of God concerning all of those things until you get to the point to where you believe that you're free and then walk free of that thing. But if it don't work for you, it's never worked for anybody. I want you to know that. Well, you know, I know other people. No, I know other people have too, and that gives me courage. That encourages me to know that if somebody else has walked this and, won, and then come free of things in this life, I can too. Amen. Everyone believes all things are possible. Now, folks, I'm trying to take you from faith to faith. Okay? All things are possible. To everyone that believes. And it's for everyone. Now, verse 17. We're going to look at verse 17 from the Amplified Translation. Romans 1, 17. In the Amplified Bible, it reads this way. For in the Gospel, that's what we just got through talking about, the good news. The good news is that I'm free, I'm saved, I'm delivered, and everything is possible to me because I believe. That's good news. Right? And I'm going to tell you something. That's good news on Monday. That's good news when they call you up and say you got a job and then they tell you you hadn't got a job. That's still good news. All things are possible to them that believe. Right? Hey, that's good news when the doctor says you're going to have to have surgery. Well, so what? I believe God to heal me. And if I have to have surgery, it's going to be miraculous. I'll come out of this thing and, and the doctors will say it's miraculous. God will take care of it. Folks, if we could just get to the point to where we say that God's going to take care of it, and that's where my faith is, regardless of what may come and regardless of what I may have to do, God's my source. God is in control. God is taking care of me. I know I've shared with y'all, but I want to remind you. I knew there's something wrong with me physically about four years ago, four and a half years ago at this time, but I didn't know what it was, but it kept getting worse. I was believing God for healing. I just knew that that the day that I didn't have that problem anymore, I was going to be healed. And it come along in May of that same year, 
and uh, some good brothers in Mohai finally got through my hard head and told me I need to go to the doctor. Said, we're taking you to the emergency room. I said, well, we'll go. I'll go. I went home. I never forget on that Saturday. Ron got on to me. He got on to me. Glenn got on to me. And Pat got on to me. Two or three others. I don't remember who all was in that group, but boy, they got all over me. Ginger ratted me out. Because I'd asked her a few questions, and she said, you're not at the emergency room? I said, no, ma'am. I said, but don't tell nobody. Okay, I won't. <laughs> that day at the emergency room, my blood pressure was 70 over 40, and my pulse was 30. They rushed in there and started doing all this stuff, and I said to that woman, I said, y'all are scaring me. She said, well, good, maybe it'll make your heart start beating faster. But it didn't. And they did these EKGs and all of this kind of stuff. And the doctor came in and he said, how long has this been going on? I said, I don't know, for a while. He said, well, you've about waited one day too late. He said, you're just before being gone. And uh, he said, we're sending you to intensive care at Huntsville. And they'll take care of you there. And I said, well, can she take me? He said, no, no. And let me tell you how serious you are, sir. If the helicopter had not just left with somebody, you'd be on the helicopter going over there. I didn't get scared in any of this. It didn't scare me. The woman come in, she was asking me all these questions, and she found out I was a preacher. She said, well, what are you going to preach about next time you preach? I said, I'm going to preach I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And that was my... And on the way there in the ambulance, I asked that woman, I said, you mind if I pray? It wouldn't have made no difference. I was going to pray anyhow. She said, sure. So I prayed, and I said, Father God, this is not what I'm believing I'm not believing to have to go to the hospital and get all of this stuff done. I'm believing for your healing. But if this is your way and this is the design and plan, that's good. Let's go with it. But, sir, I need to remind you I don't have any hospital insurance. I didn't need to remind God of that. He knew. Got on over there. They put me in intensive care. Woman come around, you know, nice little lady from the uh, cashier's office. I see you don't have any insurance. No, sir. I said, but we'll pay it. We'll figure it out. Somehow or another, we'll set up payments. And so she said, well, we need you to pay $450 today. I said, all right, we'll do that. So Loretta went by later and took care of that. But let me go on with this right here. I don't know what dying feels like altogether. But I guess that I was to that point. I heard all in my back, up through my shoulders, in my neck, all up in here. And they gave me four shots of morphine over a five-hour period. Didn't pay. I by his listening to healing scriptures on my little ear things, you know. Listening and confessing by his stripes I'm healed, by his stripes I'm healed, and believing God that by his stripes I'm healed. And it got on about 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'm laying there in that bed. Whoo! The presence of the Lord came in that room. That pain stopped just like that. No more pain. It was gone. Because I had laid there and I said, God, I don't know what's going on. But if this is it, sir, would you take me on because I'm hurting? <laughs> but if not, can you do something about this? He come in. I knew it was him. I didn't have to see him. I just knew. I could feel him. felt like every hair on my arms and legs just stood up. And that pain left just like that. 
the nurse is taking care of a little black lady about this tall, and she'd come in and she'd say, oh, Mr. Carroll, we're praying. She came in and she said, Mr. Carroll, how are you feeling? And she was getting ready to call the doctor and call my family. I said, sister, hadn't got a pain in my body. She said, well, good, the morphine kept in. I said, no, no, no. I said, Jesus came in my room a few minutes ago and touched me, and there'd be that pain left just like that. Left just like that. That woman jumped up and down and shouted from out the door of that room. They put a pacemaker in on Monday, sent me home on Tuesday, and they set that pacemaker for 60. You can take my pulse right now, and Jamie has before, and you'll find that my pulse are somewhere between 66 and 72. It always is. I don't use the pacemaker. I don't know what all was going on. It cost, at the hospital in Huntsville, $450. I got a a bill from them a week after I got home for $69,000, got one the next week, that they had marked it down to $6,900 and got one the next week said the balance was zero. That's a miracle. Hey, folks, if we're going to have to do it, let's do it and believe God. Amen? God will take care of us. God will bless us. God will help us. The righteousness of God. Friend, the Gospels, this good news, the righteousness of which God ascribes is revealed. The righteousness of God. What's that talking about? That's talking about God's faithfulness and God's truthfulness. His faithfulness to do what He said. And He's so true in what He said that He can't miss a beat of it anywhere. And He's so true and he said, in what He said that He said this, I'll never change a word that has come out of my mouth. If my word declares you're blessed, then you're blessed. Balaam told Balak when he was sent over here to curse Israel, and, and, and he come back to Balak, uh, Balaam the king, or Balak rather the king, Balaam said, I can't curse him. God's blood we said I can't curse him. And God said, you're blessed. You're blessed. Why do we settle for things that Satan throws at us that look like a curse when we're blessed? Truthful. If God's Word says you're healed, you're healed. If God's Word says that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, then my brother and sister, you're no longer no sinner saved by grace. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what God said. You never find in the New Testament, in the writings of Paul, Peter, James, John, you never find Matthew saying it, Luke saying it, that once you get saved, you're still just an old sinner. You don't find that in there anymore says you're a child of God. You're somebody. You're somebody special. And oh, listen, let me tell you how special you are. It said that when you made Jesus Lord of your life, He made you. He made you. He made you then. And it's talking about a complete work that He did then, not something you have to grow into. He made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He made me that way. Wow! It took faith to get there. And it takes faith to walk in it. And I want to walk in it, don't you? Let me tell you something. If I never experience another blessing, and I know I will, and that's what I'm saying here is not doubt and unbelief, okay? If I never experience another blessing from God to go through this life knowing I'm a righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and when I leave this earth, I'm going to go be with Him, folks, that's blessing of plenty. And that encourages me to believe God for the other things that He said. 
His faithfulness, His truthfulness, the same righteousness that He is. He made us that way. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Understanding that language, it's not talking about how that we were righteous and that we knew no sin. He's the one that was righteous. And we and he knew no sin. We were the one that was and we knew no righteousness. He made him. That moment in nineteen sixty nine when I prayed and I asked Jesus to come into my life, he made me the righteousness of in Christ Jesus. And it took me a while to understand that. Nobody preached that stuff back in those days. I didn't hear this back in those days. It took me about five years to understand that, but thank God I come to understand it. I come to understand that there's no condemnation of those that are in Christ Jesus. And it took me about five years for that one too. And you don't think the devil didn't have a heyday with me. Boy, he did. I'd get down and pray. Oh, God. And, and, and I'd remember something I did back before I got saved, and I'd pray to ask God to forgive me of that all over again took care of it all when He made me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it was through faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 tells me that, that this whole thing is through faith. That for by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith. Through believing in Him. Believing as it says in Romans chapter 10 that I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and confessed with my mouth that He's Lord. That, and for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That is the key principle of faith right there. Believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. It works for those negative things as well. If you believe sickness enough in your heart and say it enough with your mouth, you're going to be sick. I believe healing. Amen. I believe it. I believe that's the reason I get a good report from the doctor like I did. I believe it. I confess it. I say it daily. I believe it in my heart and I say it with my mouth, but through faith, by grace. Grace put me, God's grace put me to a place to where through faith I could believe and therefore I'm saved because of it. Romans chapter 5, verse 2, talks about the same kind of thing. Ephesians says through faith. Romans 5, 2 says, by whom also we have access by faith, by this believing in Him, into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Folks, I'm telling you, you can't get by without faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, springing from faith. Go back to that Romans 1.17 and amplified there. For in the gospel, a righteousness which God ascribed is revealed, both springing from faith, that's the faith at salvation, and leading to faith, that's faith for living and overcoming in this life. Disclosed through the way of faith, that's from salvation through the Word of God, and arousing to more faith. Arouses to more faith. Taurus. And faith to get you saved and it's faith to keep you victorious. And as you move in faith and study and meditate in the Word of God, it arouses to more faith. 
The more you're in the Word. You say, preacher, you preach to us all the time about being in the Word. There's two ways you can keep me from doing that. One of them just quit coming. That might be the reason that some folks have. I don't know. And another way you can keep me from doing that, get in the Word. Get in the Word. Get in the Word. I won't have to preach that no more. We move on to something else. The just shall live by faith. The just, the justified, the righteous, that are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus shall live and shall live by faith. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 says that, that the man that is uncompromisingly just, righteous man, shall live by his, his faith and in his faithfulness. How would it live? Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Again, in the Amplified Bible says that this person, the just, shall live by and out of the faith. And he who through and by faith is declared righteous and right standing with God shall live. Live life to the fullest. Living by faith. From faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. The righteous. Those that have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Those that believe the Word of God from faith to faith. Springing from faith, leading to faith, arouses more faith. Excites faith in us to believe. Seeing other people living by faith excites us to believe and to live by faith. Now, you can't live off of my faith. No more than I can live off of yours. But we can encourage one another. Right? Our faith can encourage one another. And that's what we're to do. Hallelujah. How long have I been preaching? Anybody know? When did I start? Too long? <laughs> I said it before you did, didn't I? <laughs> I, got, I got about five minutes more. And y'all know that whenever I tell you something like that, I pretty well stay with it. Right? Christian, you know I do. <laughs> He's sitting over there shaking his head. Now, I'm not going to tell you when that five minutes starts. <laughs> One problem that we have is allowing things to hinder our faith from working. And then I, I'm going to preach to you this more like you don't have faith. My goal was to encourage. Boy, he's in your faith. To strengthen your faith. I, I, I don't want you to think that, boy, he's saying there, he don't think I've got a bit of faith. No, I know you do. If you're a child of God, you've got to have some faith. That's just what the Bible says. He, he gave you that faith. It's a gift of God. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 said that God has given every one of us a measure of faith. So you have faith. But there's things that we need to be refreshed on and then there's things that we let hinder our faith. Now, I want to touch on this for just a minute. One of the main things that hinders our faith is our love walk. Right there. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Galatians 5, 6 says this, For in Christ availeth, Neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. 
And what's that talking about? Well, that's talking about the difference between law and grace. But in Christ, it's not up for argument. We're not concerned about that. That has That's telling us that there's, there's things that people do to try to get this and to be there. But he said all of this stuff don't avail anything. But the thing that avails in Christ Jesus is faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. But faith, which worketh by love. Now, if you're not applying yourself to walk in the love walk, your faith is not going to get you through the things that you need in this life. And probably one of the biggest areas of hindrance in our faith is our love walk. We, we, and you know, we all have a problem with that from time to time. Can I be honest with you? I do. Because sometimes when I see things in people that I don't like, I have trouble loving them for a little while. Don't you? Come on now, let's be honest. You don't have to be honest with me. The God of truth knows, don't He? <laughs> Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 through 39. Now, we're changing gears a little bit, but I want you to listen to me. I'm working on my five minutes. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Jesus said unto him, they asked him a question about the greatest commandment. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now listen to this next verse. On these two hang all the law and the prophets. Everything in that Bible that you have in your lap or your electronic Bible makes no difference. Everything that's there, every promise, every word of God, every truth that's spoken in that Word, every bit of it hangs, tied together, given meaning by these two things right here. Faith is not going to work in your life, faith for living, if you're not endeavoring to walk the love walk. And folks, it's not talking about just loving the person next door. If, if the next door person's your neighbor, then think about everywhere you go, there's a next door person. Hmm? There's a next door person everywhere you turn, isn't there? Everywhere you look. It means showing love by means of action. By loving people, by caring about people. Without question. Without reservation. You know, when that guy killed all those people in, in Fort Lauderdale Airport the other day, for a minute it made you want to just reach out and grab him and hope somebody pinched his head off, didn't it? Right? Well, the Bible teaches... And I taught this in our Wednesday night classes. God said that if you kill man, that by man's hands you must die. So to keep people like me from jumping up and doing things I shouldn't, God set a system in. Right? But you know what my duty is for that guy? 
Now, the people that he killed, the people that were wounded, we pray for them. Pray for their families. Love on them. But my duty, as far as that guy goes, is to care for him enough to pray for him. To pray for his salvation. To pray for his deliverance. He's facing the death penalty. Well, that's the law. I'm not going to pray him out of the death penalty. I'm not going to pray him out of the law, but I want to pray him into heaven. And the only way I can do that is by showing love to him if I were to get that opportunity to. See, love has to be without reservation. So many times we love those that love us, don't we? But Jesus said this. He said, if you love those that just love you, what thanks have you? Because even the sinners do that. Folks up at the bar up there, they, they love each other there at the bar. So one of them gets a little bit more drunk than the other, and then they want to fight. But all the time they love each other, you know. they they got a common fellowship and a common brotherhood. But Jesus said, if you just love those that love you, then what have you done? It's when you get to the point where you love those that don't love you. That's when you begin to do something. One more minute. Let me tell you this. One of the key elements to love, loving God and loving your neighbor, is coming to the point to where you forgive. Y'all knew that was coming, didn't you? To where you forgive. You've been forgiven You need to forgive others. Jesus said that when you stand praying and forgive, if you have anything against anybody, anything against anybody, that comes under some of those same things as all things and everyone. If you have anything against anybody, forgive. So that your Father which is in heaven will forgive you also. In other words, he's saying that if you operate in unforgiveness, your love's not flowing, and your faith's not working. I don't know where you stand this morning before the Lord. That's between you and God. The only thing I can do is deliver the message. Okay? Y'all stand.